Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for all that you do in our midst and that you're so faithful. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and speak to us today. Come and preach the sermon that each of our hearts uh, need. Uh, do what you desire to do. Reveal Jesus how you desire to reveal Jesus this morning, Lord. We thank you for your beautiful presence, your love. We thank you for um, um, being with us and encouraging us. Lord, help my, my brain to work efficiently this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 2. We are on a series on the Beatitudes, and this is our second week on uh, verse 4. Uh, next week, we should move on to verse 5. Uh, verse 4 uh, is, blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. We uh, talked previously um, back in July about verse 2. Um, then a few weeks ago, we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. And now we are on blessed are those who mourn. My microphone's a little hot. I'm sure you can, yeah. <clears throat> Last week, we discussed what mourning was and how there were three types of mourning. I just want to reiterate before we dive in, just in case you missed last week so you don't misunderstand me. There's basically three types of mourning. There is natural mourning when we suffer a loss, and it is a natural process that we go through as we deal with that loss. That's not what this verse is referring to. You will be comforted. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me, please. You will be comforted because the Lord is a good shepherd and he does comfort. Uh, but this verse is referring to something very specific. It's not uh, the second type, which is the pining for things that we get into when we uh, are immature in our faith and we ask the Lord for something and he doesn't give it to us and we get upset with him and we, or we pine over or if I only had this or only had that. And uh, that's not what this is talking to. Unless you just go with the fact that the Lord's going to love you in the midst of your immaturity and will comfort you and cause you to grow to become more mature. In that sense, then I guess so. But the third sense is what I really wanted to touch on today. And we talked about it last week. It is the mourning over our sin and realizing where our hearts were before we recognized our poverty in Jesus and dealing with that sin as we come closer to Jesus. So we discussed how it begins by recognizing who Jesus is, that we're poor in spirit. We recognize who Jesus is, and we turn to him, and we sit down at the table that he prepared before us, according to Psalms 23. And then now we begin to understand by the work of the Holy Spirit how our sins have affected our relationship. We begin to deal with, in reality, where our heart is so that he can come in and sanctify our hearts. And this is a lifelong practice, guys. This is a lifelong situation that we walk through as he begins to point out and we deal with the areas of our heart that hinder his movements and his ability to uh, walk with us in our lives. So three main things that I want to touch on this morning is, uh, first of all, it's about relationship. It's not about uh, you and your deeds. It is about a relationship. Uh, 
through the decades, through the centuries, the church has grown in uh, what it has touched on. There's been seasons of, of what they have preached. Uh, I think the Lord is now in a place where he is reminding us that, yes, this sin brings death to your life. Uh, Jesus, very uh, confident, he said, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what sin does. It, it steals from you, it destroys aspects of your life, and it kills relationships. And so Jesus wants this out of our lives. And so what he does is he calls us into relationship with him. But our focus is not the elimination of sin out of our lives. Our focus is our relationship with Jesus. And as we focus on Jesus, sin begins to fade out of our lives in greater and greater ways. I no longer desire to do these things because I've seen an aspect of Jesus that is far better to me than this. And as I uh, see it uh, clearer and clearer, this facet of who Jesus is and his beauty, this phase and gets darker and darker and darker. It is a willful decision, though, to turn from the sin and to look at Jesus. And as I turn and look at Jesus, this begins to fade. Our first verse that we looked at there, blessed are, the, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Uh, that is really talking about uh, interaction with Jesus. We interact with Jesus, we feel his love. This is the first step to really get us in as we humble ourselves, we see Jesus, we see his love, we feel his love, we interact with his love, we get our eyes on him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I see my lack and I see his love. But this second one is a little bit different because it's blessed are those who mourn. And to me, that is the interaction with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit begins to touch these areas of our life and I begin to see my sin and I, I say, okay, this doesn't match what I've seen in Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't like this. I'm not going to settle and live with this. I, I don't want this in my life. And I begin to look to Jesus and go, okay, Lord, would you remove this from my life? Even if it takes 30 years, would you remove it? Would you unwrap me in this area? Because I want to look at what I see in Jesus. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit. He convicts us. He sanctifies us. He points us to Jesus. He reveals Jesus in all that he does. Because it's about that relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you've noticed, we've talked about this in, in staff recently, because we have a lot of questions that, uh, that are just big, hard social issues on how, how you deal with them, how you handle, what, what do we emphasize, what do we talk about, what, what's important. And I realized in one of our discussions that I don't preach a lot against sin. I don't say, you know, you shouldn't do this. And you shouldn't do that. And you, if you're doing this, you're not following Jesus. Or this is, a, this is sin. Or this is... I don't do a lot of that. I realized that. And I was like, wow. Is that uh, wrong? You know, because on my wall, there's a bunch of books there in the library. And there's like all the sermons of John Wesley. And there's, there's all these great older sermons. And you pull out some of those sermons, man, they just... I mean, they just... Wow, they hit it hard. And after prayerfully considering it for uh, a while, 
I've realized uh, what the Lord, how the Lord works in my life is that he shows me Jesus. And as he shows me Jesus, he, then he begins to say, okay, do you really want that? Do you really want that or would you like Jesus? And I realized, man, I'm sorry, Lord. Yeah, I see that my heart at times longs for this. But at the same time, I see your beauty, and I would rather change my heart so that I want to long for your beauty because I see that that's far better for me. Maybe it's a bad analogy, but I've had my wife's cookies. I, I don't go to Walmart and buy cookies. I've had my wife's cookies that are made with butter and flour, and there's no Crisco in them. And if I buy the cookies at Walmart, they're made with Crisco, and I can taste the difference. So I don't crave, you know, whereas before, before I met my wife and I was younger, I would walk through Walmart and I would see those cookies, and we're like, boy, those look good. But now after I've had her cookies, I don't mean to put you on the spot. It's just the only example that I could think of right now that was just simple and clear. I don't long for that. In the same way, when we begin to see Jesus and when we begin to taste, taste and see that the Lord is good, then it begins to hit our heart and we'll go, wow, I've been settling for this when I could have that. And this mourning takes place. Where you get to the point where you're like, oh, Jesus, help me. Because I've tasted this, but I still long for this. Would you change my heart? Because I still am craving these dumb cookies over here that are made with Crisco. and They're horrible for me. When I could have butter-filled, flavorful. <laughs> Would you change my heart? This is what David says. Uh, yeah, King David. Uh, I check myself. I'm like, no, I'm not talking about David. I'm talking about King David. In Psalm 51, where he says, I see my heart, you know. I see what's wrong in it. Creating me a clean heart, Lord. It's about relationship with Jesus. If it's just about stopping some kind of action, you will never succeed. There may be a few of you that are like those super willpower people. You know, whatever I decide to do, I just do it. Just do it. You know, willpower, willpower, rah, rah, rah. But eventually... That won't work because there has to be a change of heart. And Jesus, the Holy Spirit, can give you that change of heart that moves you because he wants you to have that relationship. I think another thing that we have to keep in mind as we read a verse like this, blessed are those who mourn is that it is about um, Jesus. It is about Jesus. It's about relationship, and it's about Jesus. And what I mean by that is I need to emphasize that it is about him in the relationship and not just you. It's not a, well, me and Jesus have this understanding. He looks past this, and I look past the Old Testament, and how I don't think he was nice then or, or whatever you have in your theology that you're like, well, God, I don't really like this aspect of you, so I'm going to look past that and you're going to look past that. No, we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of the word. 
Jesus is the word. So it's about Jesus primarily. He is the example that we look to. Do I look like Jesus? I may be justified. I may have uh, excuses. I may have rights. I may have this. I may have that. But do I look like Jesus? That's the end question. So in the midst of it, not making excuses for ourselves, but looking and going, okay, Jesus, do I look like you? I want to look like you. It's about you, not about me. We used to joke in, and, uh, you know, that one song, it's all about you. You know, we change the words, it's all about me. You know, we don't want that way. Or that old Toby Keith song, I want to talk about me. You know, I want to talk about Jesus. Because he's the actual solution. I think another fine point that I need to make pretty clearly this morning, and Lord help me, is that God is not mad at you. I think that becomes a stumbling block for people when they read a verse like this that says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. They have this feeling that God is upset with them because they are a failure. You don't look like Jesus and you should look like Jesus because you've been serving him long enough type attitude that God is mad at you and you have to run or move away from you. You kind of keep God at a distance because he's mad at you. In Isaiah 54, if I have a chapter, it's probably this one. <clears throat> in Isaiah 54, beginning in verse 7, Isaiah prophesies through the Holy Spirit, For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I gather you, or I, I will gather you. In overflowing anger for a moment, verse 8, I hid my face from you, but with everlasting love I will have compassion on you, says the Lord your Redeemer. This is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the water, waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you, and I will not rebuke you. This is prophetic about in Christ Jesus. This whole, this whole chapters, 53 where we, you know, uh, Isaiah 53, 5, by his stripes were healed, and the whole redemption, the prophetic word about Jesus, all in 53. 54 goes right into that. And it begins with this beautiful verse, single barren one who did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have not but in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your inhabitation be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and people the desolate cities. This is all hope and promise in Christ Jesus. That doesn't end at verse 6. The hope and promise of Christ Jesus continues 7, 8, 9, and throughout this chapter. Even down to the no weapon formed against you shall prosper that we quote a lot. That's further down in the chapter. For a brief moment, I deserted you. I needed you to know and have an experience 
of what it means when I am upset. Because if you never see it or never experience it, you have no reference point for when I say there will be judgment. You get that, right? If you've grown up with air conditioning all your life and you travel somewhere where there is no air conditioning, you notice it. But if, if you've had it your entire life and I tell you, I've been there and it's hot, you have no reference point. You're like, well, why don't they just turn on the air? You have no ability to understand and grasp what it means to be without air conditioning. And I don't fault you because of it, because you've never known it. So he says here, I separated from you, I deserted you, I left you, and you felt my judgment. And he did that when Jerusalem was destroyed and they went into captivity for 70 years. You need to understand for the ages... In the millenniums to come, they need to be able to look back and see this is what the judgment of the Lord is. So that you have a reference point so that when I say, I'm not acting that way right now, you know what I'm talking about. So that your heart is pure. For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you, says the Lord. Right now, with great compassion, the Lord is gathering you. Now, I need to clarify, just so that you know that I'm not preaching some weird gospel. Uh, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap, unless by the mercy of God, He uh, arranges a way that you don't. But the vast majority of the time, you are going to reap what you sow. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh. That's New Testament. There will be a judgment day, and God will judge the living and the dead. All of us will stand before the judgment seat, either of Christ or of the judgment judgment. We will be judged. And those that deny Christ, they will be judged. Okay? So I'm not saying that all sin and everything is just wonderful and God's never going to be mad again. I'm saying right now in this season, because of Christ, in Christ Jesus, he's not mad at you. And so you have to shift out of being in this, under the seat of judgment before Christ and shift into, Lord Jesus, I'm your child, and you're going to spank me now and then, but you're not mad at me. You don't spank me because you're mad at me. There's a big difference there, folks. When God's mad at you, you don't want relationship with Him. You avoid it. It's, it's maneuvering around God because He's mad at you. I, how many of you like to keep relationship with someone that's mad at you? How many of you continue to call Him every day and say, hey, how you doing? Just wanted to call and say... Yeah, yeah, I know, I, I yeah, this and it, no, that doesn't happen. So if you believe that God is mad at you, you keep him at a pretty good distance. But what if I'm doing this kind of junk all the time, Matt? Isn't he mad at me for what I'm doing? 
I think he's mad at the sin because it's hurting you. But he's not mad at you. He's more like, hey, hey, look over here. Hey, if you get your eyes on me, if you see Jesus, if you allow me to show you what Jesus is, that stuff will become, it'll just fall off. Hey, hey, look over here. I can't. I don't want to look over there. I know you're mad at me. In overflowing anger, I hid my face from you. This is what he did. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. So right now, his face is not hidden from you. You know when you get mad from some, at somebody, what do we do? It takes a lot of guts just to stare the person down when you're mad at them. Most of the time, we're like, I'm going to turn away because if I met them face to face, I might explode all over them. And the Lord says, I'm not mad at you. I'm not turning away. I have great compassion on you. I see what sin is doing, and I've got the answer. So I'm not mad as if there's nothing more that I can do. I'm not hopeless. I'm saying, hey, you're not a victim to that sin anymore, and I've got the answer. Hey, look to me. I am your redeemer. I've bought you with a price. I've paid for you. You're precious to me. Even in the midst of your problem, you're still precious for me. Excuse me, nurse, I need to return this baby. It's got a dirty diaper. I don't want to have a baby with dirty diapers. I, I'm not going to deal with that. Here's, here's the baby back. I don't want this. God doesn't do that. Uh, I'm bringing in my two-year-old because they just make messes everywhere and I'm tired of dealing with all the messes. Here's my two-year-old. You can have them back. God doesn't do that. Moms don't do that. God loves you, even in the midst of your mess. And he's like, you know what? I paid for you. You're precious to me. I'm taking care of you. Here's Jesus. Here's the answer. And as we see that, then we can really come into true mourning. It's not a mourning out of condemnation. It's not a mourning out of fear. It's a mourning out of, wow, this is a beautiful relationship and I don't want to hurt you. And I see when I, when I do dumb things, I see it hurts me, I see it hurts you. And I don't want to do dumb things. Even when I do it, I'm like, dang, Sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I settled on Walmart cookies. I settled on something that was less than what you have for me. That's the mourning that's changed. It's not this, oh God, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, because I, I don't want you to squish me yet. Give me, another, give me another day or two to try to figure this out. Don't squish me. That isn't mourning. Morning is, I have, I have a loss. Well, what's the loss? The loss is the hurt of the relationship. Man, I so love my relationship with Jesus. If I can tell you anything that will get you through the marathon of life, it is love Jesus. If you love Jesus, every obstacle you face, he will walk you through. Anything else you love will lead you astray. 
Loving Jesus is the way to walk it through. Verse 9, this is like the days of Noah to me, as I swore that the waters of Noah should no more be over the earth, as he swore that he is not going to uh, judge the earth in this way again. So I have sworn that I will not be angry with you and will not rebuke you. I'm going to speak to you with love and call you to be like Jesus. It's a complete shift of parenting attitude. Maybe you had a parent that, that screamed at you constantly. You were a failure because you did not live up to their adult expectations of you. And there was no hope within the uh, correction of you're just an, an, an idiot and a, and a loser and a failure and you'll always be a failure, and that's what they spoke over to you because that's where their own heart was as an adult. That's not the way God is. And if you walk in your Christianity that way, you are missing out. You're missing out on the deep love of Jesus, the goodness of God that meets you where you are and draws you into fellowship with Jesus so that this stuff, oh, it just fades. Hebrews 4, one of my favorite verses. Hebrews 4, I think it is, uh, I have it, well, let me just, let me just look. If I can find Hebrews, there it is. Verse 14, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, for we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then, because of what we just read, Let us, with confidence, draw near to the throne of of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus is looking for us to succeed. He's not sitting up there with judgment going, it's too late, you screwed up again, this was the last time, it's over, kawam. As long as you are breathing, there is redemption. There is a chance to move forward. And that's what his desire is. So he says, come and visit me at the throne. I understand where you've been. I understand how to get out of where you are right now. Because I've been tempted in all these ways, yet without sin. So I know the path through the maze. Because really it is a maze, guys. It is a maze, M-A-Z-E, a maze um, of our heart, our emotions, our pain, our, our past, our failures, our flesh, our lust. It's all of these things that swirl around us, and we're like, Lord, I don't know how to navigate to get to where you are. And he says, you know what? I've been there. I've navigated it. Let me lead you. 
Let me direct you. The mourning is, Jesus, I don't want to stay here. I want to come towards you. I'm sorry that I'm here. Lord, lead me in that direction. That's where the mourning is. It gets your eyes off of the junk you're in and gets your eyes on Jesus. And then he begins to lead you, comfort you as he navigates you to where you need to go. How do I unconditionally love my children? As you unconditionally love me. Even when I'm ticked off at their decisions. Or they do something that hurts me. I'm just using an example. Or your coworkers or your spouse or whoever, you know. How do I walk this out, Lord? Well, let me show you because I can help you navigate this. I can help you navigate it. You'll come to the throne and you'll find mercy and you'll find grace. Both are there for you as a child of the king. Mercy, because we've screwed up. Lord, I'm in a mess. I don't know how to get out of here. I'm, I'm going to come, Lord. I'm, I'm mourning. I'm, I'm coming. I'm saying, Jesus, forgive me. Here's my mess. I give it to you. He says, great. Thank you. I'm covering it with mercy, with my blood. Now here's the grace to navigate out of this. Guys, the victory is always in front of us. The comforting is always there. We only fail when we give up on the comforting and we stick to the problem. When we elevate the problem, whatever it is, above Jesus' ability to navigate us out of it. That's the only time we ever fail. And that's what mourning leads us into. It's the recognition, okay, I don't want to stay here, Lord. Forgive me. Change my heart. Create in me a, a clean heart. Change me, Lord. Make me who you want me to be and show me the way out of this. Bless you, Lord. Let me just end here. Any, any of you else also use your Bible as like your main filing system, storage? I have so many little things that I need to remember. Psalms 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I, brought forth, I was brought forth in iniquity and sin. Did my mother conceive me? Behold, my delight in truth. Uh, behold, you delight in truth in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be washed, I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let, let the bones that have, broke been, that have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. 
Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of, my, of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. This is a great example of this morning. This is a great example of this. So if, if you need to get there, meditate on this verse and say, Lord, this is, this is the heart that I want to have. This is the heart that I want to have. Because you know what God said about David, that he has a, a heart after him. So this is the heart that I want, Lord. I see my mess. I'm honest about my mess. I don't blame you for my mess. I don't blame anyone else. I see that my sin really, even though my sin might have hurt, hurt someone else, my sin actually really is, is about me and you. And I want to take care of that first. And then I'll deal with the side. Because if my heart doesn't change, I can't really fix these relationships. So I, I come for you and I, I admit where my heart is, Lord. And I ask you to cleanse my heart and, and, and uh, change me, Lord. Uh, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you do not despise. And that is mourning. This is the epitome Epitome might be a bad word choice, but the epitome, the exact best example of mourning and then being comforted. Jesus has victory for you. Begins with that humility of going, okay, Lord, I am poor. Jesus, thank you for your work. Now, Holy Spirit, I, I realize I, every time I miss the mark, Change, change me, Lord, creating me a clean heart. Move me to being more like Jesus. And then it comes to that next ring, the fifth verse, blessed are the meek. And this is a process we walk through in our lives. It's a beautiful process. So as I'm finishing up today, we're going to, you can let Children's Church know. Those that let Children's Church know. We have this beautiful anointing here, and I haven't quite put my finger on it. But it's almost like the fire of God is here. And the fire of God is a beautiful thing because it purges us. It's, it loves us. It changes us. It causes us to deal with our wrong beliefs about ourselves and about him and about others and to come into more of Jesus. So sometimes it's a little hard because it feels like it's like always just sits here, the fire. But the longer we stay in here, the more we're changed and the easier it gets to deal with this stuff. And then as we go out, man, we're just shining forth Jesus. We're just blazing in, in the beauty of the, of the fire of the Lord. We're taking it out to our ats. Wherever the Lord has you, taking out the beauty of Jesus, loving people unconditionally because we've dealt with our stuff. We've learned how to love. We've learned how to receive God's love, and we've learned how to walk in love here. And so it makes it a lot easier when you go out and you're in Walmart or you're in Price Chopper or you're wherever you are, or you're at work, to love those around you because you've practiced it, you've seen it modeled, you've practiced it here, and then you can go out and do it. So the longer we do that, man, we are actually spreading Jesus, taking him out and conquering expanding the kingdom of God wherever we are. You're influencing nations, literally, because of your willingness to walk it out here. There's a lot there. 
I'll let the Lord speak more to you. Let me pray over you this morning as we are closing. Father, thank you, Lord, for each and every member of this body. Thank you, Lord, that you finish your work, Lord, the work that you faithfully began, Father. You are faithful to, to complete it, Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would create in all of us a clean heart, Lord, a heart that's after you. Father, forgive us when we fail, Lord, and point us to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for both your mercy, Lord, and your grace. Father, that you don't sit there judging us and are angry at us, Lord, but you are calling us to be like Jesus. And that's what we desire, Lord. We desire to look like Jesus, to smell like Jesus, to walk like Jesus, to talk like Jesus. That's what we desire to do. We desire to take him everywhere we go, wherever you send us, Lord. Build your beautiful kingdom, Father, here and everywhere we go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy the football game or whatever you're going to do. And be encouraged. Jesus is with you. Amen.